Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today will be part two of our interview with Robert Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Hello, I'm Very Worshipful Brother Matthew Apple here with Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth down in the, in the Grand Lodge of Washington. And we have our three, our third of our four usual hosts, uh, Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung from the, up in the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and Yukon. Uh, unfortunately, Trevor uh, couldn't be here this evening. He's, he's not feeling too well, so we hope he feels better soon. And we have with us our, our special guest uh, again, <laughs> uh, Robert Johnson, who is a uh, Mason out in Illinois and host of a couple of podcasts and, and has written a book or two. And uh, we're, we're excited to have him back on the show. And so, uh, Brother Robert, thank you again for coming out. My pleasure, brothers. Thank you so much. So I think when we left off, we were talking about the um, you're starting the podcast uh, with uh, Wentz Kamu. How did how did you guys start with the the working or the working tools? Yeah, how did you get on the working tools? I know that story because I, I sent you an email. Uh, but how did how did the uh, the Masonic Roundtable group get started? Did you guys meet in a secret Mason's bar somewhere? Yeah, it was super secret. Um, there's this guy John Ruark uh, who is a past master out of Virginia, and uh, John is a is a the biggest tech nerd you could you could imagine. Um, he and I, uh, I, I never met John, knew him, nothing, nothing at all. And uh, <clears throat> one day I got a, an email where it was, uh, it was CC'd along with uh, Juan Sepulveda, Jason Richards, uh, our brother Tom Acousti, who was an original guy, and uh, Nick Johnson, who ran the Millennial Freemason blog. And we didn't know John at all. Jason and John knew each other, um, and and Tom and and uh and nick knew each other and juan and i knew each other um juan called me call, i don't know how juan got my phone number to this day I had no clue but he calls me up and he's like hey uh, i'm a brother out of florida i'm an artist i'm thinking about doing a podcast and i just want you to know i'm not stepping on your toes or anything i hope are you okay if i do a podcast and i'm like yeah man it's not a competition like this is more education this is great and so that's how Juan and I, you know, initially met. And so we didn't know John. John's his tech nerd again. And he was listening to a podcast on like, like droid life or something strange. I can't remember. And he thought, hey, you know, he's a real like lean startup kind of guy. So he's, he thought, why don't we just go live on, on YouTube and, and record some conversations and then he just cold emailed all of us and put pull us all together. And we were like, I don't know, maybe. Okay. And he was like, well, we'll just do one. We'll just do one. If you guys don't like it, then we don't have to do it ever again. You know, like, like you promise your wife, just, just one science fiction movie, just one, it'll be fine. And uh, right. So long story short, we had great chemistry um, and we just liked it so much. We, we continued to do it. And, and, uh, John had a great vision, um, still has awesome vision and as well as Jason and, 
and uh, Juan and myself, you know, I think we all bring something unique to the table. Of course, Tom Acousti, who uh, was with us for just, I think, one or two episodes, um, you know, he backed out, you know, he had other commitments. And Nick Johnson was with us for quite a long time also, and eventually had um, his own uh, commitments that he needed to handle. I mean, Nick was, talk about active Freemason. I mean, this guy was it. Nick Johnson is also Mackey's Encyclopedia in person form. If you guys ever need to know a Masonic fact, it's Nick, but uh, no relation to me. <laughs> and that, that's how that got started. It, it was a really cool friendship. And uh, I think it was three years ago when we did a, uh, it was the first time we ever met in person. We all flew into uh, the DC area. Um, no. It was longer than, longer ago than that. We we went to Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge, and that was the first time I think we all met. So it was, it was a big deal. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Great, cool. great group of guys. Yeah, yeah. The um, it's interesting you say that there's always room for for more education and, and more things like that. And I okay, so this isn't on the topic we were just talking about, but it it it, it spurs the question in me. Why is masonry, why are lodges so bad at that? It seems like, uh, you know, we say, we talk a good game, oh, we make good men better, and we, uh, you know, you're going to become, uh, improve your character and all that sort of good stuff. And we talk, in, it's in the lectures and all that sort of good stuff. But I don't feel like we, we, I don't know, we don't do it well <laughs> somehow. We're not actually, in a lot of cases, in some cases we are, don't get me wrong, there, there are great lodges out there. But in a lot of cases, it's, it just doesn't happen. Do you have, have, is that something you've encountered too? Obviously you said you have and in your, the, the movie wasn't as good as the book way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there are Freemasonry as an organization, you know, to be this succinct is that in my opinion, Freemasonry as an organization is uh, small uh, in compared to other organizations worldwide as things grow and, you know, we got big box stores, everything can be bigger and bigger and bigger, but Freemasonry is not. And um, as such, we are always really thirsty for more members. And uh, the thirst for, for more members doesn't always, like that thirst is what's driving our existence sometimes. It's not to focus on the betterment or the lessons of the existing membership. Um, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Education um, might not be the reason somebody comes to, to Freemasonry, but it's the reason they stay. I think in a lot of aspects and whatever that education is like, maybe it is events, right? Or maybe it is whatever an active lodge needs to provide a reason to come back. I think education is just a great way to uh, maintain a membership. What do you get for your membership? You know, um, is it just food that's not great always, or is it just um, writing checks and arguing. We, the, the, I mean, the platitudes go on forever, right? But, you know, writing checks over the, or arguing over toilet seats and whatever the case is, why are we not doing the education? I think, I think it just comes down to um, our resources are, are kind of thin. We don't have experts. And, we, and maybe there's an expert in a lodge on a particular topic, but maybe it's not a Masonic topic, but I also think that's okay. You know, if we've got a brother who is a marketing expert, um, then provide neat stuff about marketing and relate it back to Freemasonry. 
um, David, you said you were in real estate, you know, at some point. So maybe, maybe a topic of education could have been like, uh, the, the history of, of real estate and Freemasonry, you know, like the buildings and the land and what went into these and how these things were paid for. You know, there's so many things that you can connect this stuff back to either historically or philosophically. Um, but I, it's just hard because I don't think we have a lot of time, the resource to do those things. We're so busy trying to breathe that we don't have time to thrive or to, <clears throat> it's like, Hey, when I get on top of these bills one day, I'm going to go on a vacation and we just never pay off the bills. Right. We're always, uh, we're always just struggling, but I think with the advent of new lodges and, and educational programs and zealous brothers, uh, we'll get there. We're getting there. Turning a, turning a, a, a a tugboat in a bathtub. Right. Well, you know, there's a lot to be said for the extra efforts too. I mean, <clears throat> who says that the lodge is responsible for the education is it could just be the connection of the conduit. Um, you know, like Matt and, and David participating in, in this podcast. Uh, and I'm sure that more people in your area now know of our podcast because they know you're participating in it. And our podcast does bring education to masonry uh, from that from that angle, right? Um, you know, no different than uh, all the other podcasts out there. When they're searching for it, they'll, they'll find it. Um, education is the, is the hardest thing, but I think you were right in what you said there, Robert. We focused on trying to stay alive and uh, get new members instead of providing good content. And, um, you know, I, I see in some lodges uh, where they put the extra effort into that content. Um, I saw some, some wasted efforts, too, because nobody was wanting it, right? They were putting all these great things together, but nobody wanted it because it wasn't the type of education they were looking for. So they didn't have the six-step program in place whereby you find out what those guys are looking for as they come through the door. And we make notes in our six-step program. We've got notes on all the guys that come through, what they're looking for in masonry. And then we're trying to deliver it, whether it's through education or social or whatever. You, you made a great, you used a great word there, and it seems so simple. But I kept saying education, and you said content. And that's the key is the content, like, because that's such a better, um, that's a better word for this umbrella that it got, we, you got to know the content they're looking for. And, and that content's what, what is going to keep them coming back. Uh, you know, we run through new guys coming in and out and you start to see this, um, affinity lodge type type model, right? Lodge is built on education or lodge is built on whatever. Um, my mother lodge, I had demitted from a couple of years ago because uh, I'm just not going to pay dues to a lodge. I'm not going to uh, forever in debt to them, obviously. Um, my The lodge I'm a member of primarily, the active lodge is just an education lodge. And I'll tell you something, there's something missing. There's something missing still. And it's it's the fact that Personally, I like to go into a meeting once a week. You know, Waukegan met every Monday for something. And I went. 
my current lodge, you know, when we say it's only one night a month and it never is, this lodge really is one night a month. <laughs> um, so there's some, um, I do miss some of the fellowship, right? A lot of the fellowship. And when I'm there at lodge, man, I am hugging guys and, you know, just, you know, drinking everything everybody is saying up because it's like, I, I legitimately care and, and miss these dudes. Um, and so that's content, I think for me, uh, and a reason that, you know, I'm always going back and the reason I'm active, um, when you, your mother lodge, when you say they meet every week, I know lodges, a lot of lodges do meet either weekly or biweekly. Uh, we meet once a month too, but there's always seems to be something going on and on the Monday nights that we meet as well, whether it's building management or degree practice or something that we should be doing. Did they, did they divide it into different types of meetings? Was it a business meeting on the first month or in the second month and then every other, or was it just lodge meeting every Monday, every, every week and, something different happened or what was I'm curious about your experience. What was the weekly meeting? Was it a full meeting every week? So it was a meeting every, every week and you went regardless of if the lodge was opening. Uh, so the lodge would meet for either instruction on a degree and it would just be our lodge experts. There wasn't like some grand lodge dude or, you know, district lecturer or whatever coming in. It was our own people, you know, putting boots to butts, getting guys, uh, you know, on the floor, doing rod work or march work, you know, floor work, whatever you want to call it, uh, prep steps, back hooks, you know, all of these things. Um, and then working with candidates um, in, in the foyer, just sitting there going over catechisms, talking. I mean, m my experience with my coach was like, 25 minutes of let's see what you did over the last week. And then 45 minutes to an hour of, of life lessons, just him talking about stuff. And that was awesome. Um, but that's what that was every single week. Um, so the third Monday was always our stated meeting and the uh, other meetings were always either ritual practice or for fellowship or, um, for something that we were doing. We're going to clean this closet out. We're going to get these pictures hung up, you know, whatever it was, there was always something to do. And even when it seemed like we had exhausted all things, it was like, Hey, be down at the lodge because we're going to do this thing for this brother. Or like we, they would just make up something, whatever it was. And it was great. Um, I, I liked that uh, because it was something I knew every week and my employer knew too. I was like, uh, you know, not taking advantage of the system here, right? But masonry isn't a religion. But I told my employer, I said, my lodge meeting is my church, basically. So uh, if you attempt to schedule me on a Monday evening or need me for a Monday night dinner with a client or something, I'm just going to tell them no. <laughs> they were like, totally fair. Mondays are off limits. Mondays are off limits. I'm at work nine to five. After that, I'm out. Bye-bye. So, um, and I, I got away with that forever and I, I still get away with that because I'm good at what I do. <laughs> so I'm but, curious what, yeah. what changed your perspective on, was did you move or what, why is, did your affinity with your Monday night lodge every week, did something happen or change I mean, that you could talk about? I mean, maybe, maybe it was more serious. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I think, so that, that's kind of a personal question, but I'm happy to answer that. I, I'm glad to answer that. Um, 
as I said, it wasn't like uh, I didn't hate anything about it. I love all those guys. Um, it's just, it comes down to the fact that uh, I had worked hard in that lodge for, oh, 10 years. Yeah, just about 10 years. And um, it really, it, it was better now than it was when I came in. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of progressive masters that were leading up. And then I was able to be the master and I continued their awesome work. And um, my year as master, I had like a list. I had the legal pad filled out with the names of the guys I wanted to come out to the lodge. I was going to fly guys out, get them on Zoom calls, put them up, you know, before the big Zoom stuff was ever a thing. I wanted all this education. And what I got inundated with was degree work. Um, and we had not had many degrees um, over the years. Um, some guys um, were just interested in going through at the this particular time, whatever the reason was, and 2014, 2015. And I got inundated with degree work. I did, uh, I, I think we brought in nine Master Masons in my year and no festivals or anything, but I think I obligated, I gave the EA obligation to nine guys, the fellow craft obligation to nine guys and the master Mason. I did eight guys because one of the guys who's coming through was the nephew of a past master and he wanted to obligate. I was like, of course. Right. Um, and so we did, we did all of those degrees and it was awesome. And two of the guys we brought through, um, was uh, a guy named Corey Connor and a guy named Benjamin Short. And um, uh, those two, I mean, everybody we brought through is phenomenal. Um, but these two guys, I have to say, if they ever listen to this, the, I hope they know that I love them dearly. Um, they went back to back, uh, like one after another. We and They kind of worked on catechism at the same time. And uh, then they got into the line and they went through. And I was uh, their secretary. Um, I wasn't Ben's secretary. I wanted to be, but um, I was the secretary. So after I was done being master, I went right into the secretary chair and I watched Corey Connor take the East and he was awesome. And then um, I, I also worked with a guy, Car uh, Carlos Duran, who forever was apprehensive about getting involved and finally did and became a past master of our lodge. And that was awesome. And then Ben Short, and but Ben and Corey, they still today go. I, I see their posts on Facebook and they're riding in their bike club on the weekends together. And uh, like, talk about two guys, two phenomenal dudes who came through together that I think you know continued this great effort at Waukegan and, and seeing their success. I had wanted to free myself of the Monday night obligation and being secretary of this lodge because it was th over 300 members. And, you know, I'm and look, I had an incentive too. like at my lodge, the bylaws said that I got something like $5 per paid dues member to keep track of. So at the end of the year, I get like this per diem check. It was like 1400 bucks or something. Like I got paid to be a secretary, but it is a lot of work in maintaining relationships. So a secretary, you've got 300 plus people. That's a difficult job. 
and I just got burnt out and, um, you know, writing trestle boards and doing the stuff and, and trying to organize for a lodge with 300 members was, was difficult. And so I wanted to step out for a long time, but I couldn't do it until I knew there was some like real success in that lodge and uh, watching Carlos, Ben and Corey go through the master seat. I was like, okay, it's safe to do now, right? Like you could, you could like be the mama bird and let them go. I go fly, you know? And so I did. And I started a new lodge and it's just, like I said, it's a more once a month kind of thing, but that's the reason I, I left was it just got burnt out with that particular lodge and having so many members and, and, uh, and also I felt like it was, it was okay to do it because we had good dudes with good direction. I don't know if you're a, you're, you watch soccer, but in, in soccer teams, they talk about the goalkeepers union where the, the goalkeepers from different teams all, all are sorted together, even though they're on opposite teams, because they sort of have a different uh, perspective on the game than the other players do. And I, I sort of, I'm a secretary in my lodge too. And I, I feel like there's a secretary's union where we all sort of, you know, Oh, I feel your pain. Yes. And we, we only have a hundred and what, 155 members or so. And yeah, it's, it's, it's work. Like you said, just, I, I mean, just 22, today, 22 members now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Just today I was making, we were talking about the heat in, in Washington here this weekend. And uh, just today I was calling some of the old guys and saying, Hey, how are you doing? You need any help kind of thing. And just going through those lists and, and keeping those relationships, like you said, is, is work. It's, I was master twice and I never knew what the secretary did until I became secretary. Um, uh, so one of the other things you is, did Masonic on Chicago happen this year? Was that a, is no, it was virtual, no. Right? we, we did the 2020 and, uh, we were one of the only events that said we were going to do an event and still did an event. I really, I, you know, I worked hard with local, uh, public service on, on doing it safe. Nobody contracted anything, you know, from, from the event. So we were, we were a plus there. Um, and this year, uh, I was like, well, I did it in 2020. 2021 is going to be difficult also because of COVID. So let's not do it. And we were thinking about 2022. Um, and the group, the cadre of gentlemen that, that I know, and I'm, you know, in a contact with on a daily basis, really are these guys like Brian Simmons, Dago uh, Rodriguez and, and Alex Powers and uh, Ryan Flynn, all these, all these Masonic con dudes, Joe Martinez for Esotericon and, and all these guys, I, I'm in contact with them all the time. And we're looking at the, the schedule for 2022. And, you know, I told you earlier, like, I don't view education as a competition, but the last thing I want to do is make somebody choose. And so as the, as the, you know, you know, right. Like if a district calendar gets full, you start getting weird on your dates. You're like, Oh, I don't want to have to do it on a Tuesday, but I guess we got to do it on a Tuesday. Um, I didn't want to have to do it on a Tuesday and I didn't want to have to compete with anybody or make anybody choose to go to something. So 2022 is out. Um, and so I think we're going to really shoot for 2023 for another Masonic on Chicago. Um, and it'll be the off year. Because uh, Southern California, uh, South Pasadena Masonic Lodge does their Masonic Con. Uh, they did it in 2019. They were going to do it in 2021, but still pandemic. So they're doing 2022. And we're going to do ours in 2023. So I think we're going to alternate Southern California and Chicago. We'll go back and forth. It's kind of an unwritten thing to uh, just allow people to get back and forth and and you know be easy on their wallet. <laughs> Flying to these things, driving to these things is not cheap. So. 
It'll be like the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics. You can switch off. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Offset them by a couple of years. Um, I, I, the, you talk about the calendar getting full. There does seem to be an explosion of, maybe explosion is the wrong word, an increase, probably a modest one, in the number of these conventions and education opportunities around the country. We, there's been a, a, a I forget what they call it, the Northwest, um, oh, help me out here. Uh, Northwest Conference of Masonic Education. Yeah, something like that. Esoteric, esoteric, yeah, esoteric, esotericism and Freemasonry Conference, I think they call it, up here, and that rotates around between Vancouver, Portland, and and Seattle. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, there's one in Virginia now, and there's you guys in Chicago and South, um, South South California, as you just said. It does seem like the, the calendar is filling up, and that's cool, frankly. It's, yeah, it's really cool. You know, working with all all these guys, we uh, we we all thought, hey, let's let's put together just a website. And so there's like an aggregate website that we have up right now that's kind of in development. <clears throat> I'll plug that. It's MasonicConferences.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what that aims to do is just kind of show everybody, hey, where these things are, when they're happening, so people can plan. But yeah, they're all over the place, and um, they're really awesome. Each one has their own flavor, which is awesome. You know, one that I really love that didn't happen the last couple of years, and I'm really hoping comes back. And if, and if anybody involved with this, Jason, if you're listening, Jason Shammy, uh, uh, the Camp Masonry event is one of the most unique and coolest events. You know, we got together at a Boy Scout camp, <clears throat> like 60, 70 brothers, maybe more got together. Um, and we had lectures by the fire and I mean, degrees by Tiki light, you know, I mean, it was just really, really cool stuff. And uh, those kind of unique experiences, I mean, Masonic conventions in and of themselves are so unique. Uh, you know, you, you, they're indescribable having some vendors there, not having to wait for shipping, looking at your favorite Masonic products before you buy them uh, meeting, you know, world renowned speakers that maybe, you know, you've you, like, what if you got to, you know, sit in a room with Bob Davis, you know, and, and chew his ear off about uh, a great book that he's written, you know, um, I should say most worshipful, right? But it's just a, a really cool experience. And I think there's nothing like it. And I, we all agree, you know, these guys that are involved in planning that hopefully one day, we don't need them. But right now, they're there to fulfill a want, right? If there's a, if there's a, a want, then you're going to, we're going to make a product and put it out there and let people consume it. <clears throat> and uh, we, I guess you could take the Steve Jobs route, which was kind of like invent something that they don't know that they need yet <laughs> and show them why they need it. Um, but I think in Freemasonry, that kind of speaks for itself. You know, we do have a lack of, of education. And as we've all agreed, you know, whatever that education takes the shape of, whether that's uh, educational charity, history, philanthropy, uh, esoteric stuff, philosophical stuff, whatever it is, these conferences really are pretty well-rounded and offer a really great um, gamut of, of different choices. Uh, Esotericon being the caveat, right? It's all esoteric stuff, all philosophical stuff. Uh, and it's a lot of fun for those uh, brothers uh, who are so inclined. Well, I, don't know. I, I think it's great that there's more of them because uh, 
it gives everybody more opportunities to go to them. I mean, maybe, you know, somebody lives closer to California than Chicago and, and whatnot. And, uh, uh, you know, one of these days, it'll be, you know, an opportunity for me to go and check one out. Never been to one. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, I, I think the more, the better, just like, uh, just like we talked about earlier. And, uh, the educational component is, is, uh, probably what they're seeking when uh, when they're going to these big conventions, right? I yeah, it's, it's pretty regional too. Like depending on what guys are looking for. In Chicago, I'll tell you right now, one of the main drivers and one of the main things that I stuck on with our, with our branding, if you will, was also a really great networking opportunity because Chicago is like a big business hub and guys like to schmooze and talk and do business with other brothers. Um, and so networking is a huge component of this also. And I think networking is big everywhere, really. But um, it was definitely a selling point, I think, for uh, the Chicagoland brothers who were interested. Um, but yeah. Camp Masonry is the one in, Chicago, in uh, Ohio. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. It was a phenomenal event in Ohio. And uh, it was awesome because it was only like an hour long flight for me. So I would just fly in. I think to Toledo and then we drive like 35 minutes and it was awesome. Cause the guy who picked me up the first time, anybody knows me knows I'm a pretty big NASA nerd. Um, the guy who picked me up actually worked at the world's largest NASA vacuum chamber. Um, and I was like, it was just cool story for another time. <laughs> I'm totally stealing that idea. <laughs> Camp masonry. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually, um, well, it, well, I'll tell the story. Anyway, there's the tag on my apron case back here is from a, an event in uh, Northern Oregon where they do a degree in a cave every year the, the, out in, in Burns, Oregon, which is oh, in the middle of cool. nowhere. And uh, they, they have this gigantic lava tube cave out there and they, they have stands in the whole nine yards and do a degree in the cave. It's, it's really, really cool. It's all about the experience, man. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's, and I was, you, the content that you were saying earlier that you drew attention to the content, I think sometimes it's kind of like Steve jobs where people join masonry. I, I know for me, I joined masonry. My, my daughter was this big and I joined masonry. I was the stay at home parent and I did it at least partially because I longed for the company of other adult men. And I just wanted to, you know, talk to other men <laughs> and, uh, and I, I didn't know Masonic education was a thing. I didn't, I didn't even know it existed. It was almost like the Steve Jobs thing you're talking about where, you know, there's this content out there. There's these books out there that, you know, if you read, maybe you'll learn a little something. And there's, I, I think that happens more frequently than, than we give ourselves credit for, I think, that people learn these things. Yeah, people come in for the fellowship and any, all manner of things, but they stay for the mix. Yeah. And with that, it uh, looks like we're, we're running out of time in our, our uh, episode here today. So I would like to thank on behalf of uh, Steve and David and myself, uh, just thank you again, RJ, for, for coming out to the podcast. We, we really appreciate you shining the light of your, uh, uh, yeah, we like that you're here. So <laughs> thanks a lot for coming out. Thank you so much. This, this has been a, a really great uh, honor, privilege, and I was really excited to come on and do this. I know you guys have been doing the show two years now. Um, and what an incredible milestone you guys hit. Uh, I hope you guys keep on doing it. 
Um, and you know, don't stop, you know, stay consistent, keep doing this because guys need this. Uh, it's so important to get perspectives from, you know, different areas around the globe. Uh, and I think you guys are doing really important work. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, and yeah, right back at you. You've, you've certainly done your share of, of work in the Masonic world. So thanks for coming out. And on behalf of the working tools podcast, it's, it's, we are glad that you listened to us this evening and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Goodbye. <laughs>